Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. On these Wednesday night services here for the next few Wednesday nights, we're going to teach on some things, maybe help you understand a few things. It's, uh, I, I don't want to say difficult, but it, uh, there's been some areas of difficulty in it in transitioning from a revivalist or a minister that went from church to church to church, place to place to place, and just basically flowed in the, in the move of God on a continual basis uh, to, to pastoring because the, the, the mandate upon the pastor is to feed the flock of God. But there also needs to be an element of the move of the Spirit in the church. Actually, my belief is, and I believe I can back it up totally by the Word of God, that the church is the only entity on the planet that houses the correct structure for the Holy Ghost to move correctly. Amen. You know, you think about uh, great moves of God that have taken place. Uh, take the healing revival, 1947 through 1958. Of course, that, that, that was not the end of the healing revival, but that 11 years ushered healing into the body of Christ. But for the most part, churches rejected it. For the most part. But there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, of churches, a lot of people, uh, a lot of ministries that had that move in the church. But for the most part, it was intense. What they used to call the canvas cathedrals. Now, a man named uh, Jack Cole had the largest one. Uh, Oral Roberts had one that would seat twenty thousand, and Jack Cole bought a little piece to put on his twenty thousand uh, seat tent so he could sit twenty five thousand. And so they were kind of a, you know, competitive thing. But, but I'm telling you, it was a, a powerful uh, manifestation. We were uh, privileged in our life to know two uh, men, heavily, actually three men heavily involved in that. Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, who was more in the churches. But we knew uh, Dr. Oral Roberts. And we got to sit at a dinner table on a couple of occasions with Brother R.W. Schambach, who was the praise and worship leader for A.A. Allen. And brother, they had some testimonies of some incredible manifestations of the power of God. Healings that were just, uh, I mean, healings that you really can't find anything in the Bible to rival. You say, what do you mean? You, you, you mean you, you've heard of healings that have happened in the Bible? They're, they're even more powerful than that? Yes, I have. Uh, brother, Actually, we heard Brother Shambach tell the testimony of that little baby that was healed. That little baby that didn't have any eyes. A little baby whose feet were rolled up and totally deformed and retarded. And the power of God hit that baby and unrolled its legs and made two brand new perfect legs. And two, Brother Shambach said, uh, A.A. Allen said, everybody close your eyes. He said, I want about to close my eyes. I had to watch this. He said, in the eye sockets, he says, eyes begin to spin clockwise, round and round and round like a whirlpool. To all of a sudden, there were two brand new beautiful blue eyes in that child's head. That child could see. That child could speak. That child got up and began to walk around. He said that place went absolutely crazy. But he said what was amazing was, he says this is what's not, not known. He said there was a wheelchair section over there with about 100 people in a wheelchair. And every person in a wheelchair stood up like that and began to run around the, run around the tent. She said there was a stretcher section over there with about 75 people on stretchers. He said just like a commander would command his troops, all of those people on those stretchers stood up at one time and began to run around the church shouting and praising God. He said every person in that meeting that night got healed. Every person got healed in that meeting. And God spoke to A.A. Allen before he died. And he said in the last days this will be normal. It will not be the rule, the exception. This will be the rule. Well, bless God, if they, if they weren't in the last days, what are we in? 
Amen. So there are some things that we're going to have to understand if we're going to be a church used by God, not just for the teaching of the Word of God, but also for the move of the Spirit. There's some things we're going to have to understand, flow in them, walk in them, and it's not just from the pulpit, it's the whole body of Christ. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Chapter 1, he's kind of addressing the immaturity of the Corinthian church. I heard one preacher say this, thought, he pretty, thought it was pretty good. He said, you can call First and Second Corinthians the book of uh, corrections, First and Second Corrections, because he's doing a lot of correction. And just like today, just like today, what was going on then is going on now where everybody kind of segregates itself. You know, some said, I'm of Paul. Some said, I'm of Apollos. Some said, I'm of, well, there's people today say, well, I'm of, I'm of Brother Copeland, and I'm of Brother Hagen, and I'm of this person. That You can't do that. We're all of Christ, amen? Same thing goes, went on back then, going on now. Now, he addressed that in chapter 1. Chapter 2, he says, and brother, when I came to you, uh, I came to you not with excellency of speech or wisdom, uh, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined to know, uh, not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you with, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man wisdom, not, but notice this, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Amen. Now notice what he says again. He says, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's... Kind of sounds like he's, he's apologizing for his preaching. Well, you know, he had guys like Peter. I bet Peter could preach, man. He's the one that preached on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 got saved. I bet when it came to storytelling, he could outtell anybody around there. Because he's the one that got out of the boat and walked on the water. I bet that was exciting to hear him tell about that. He was the one on the Mount of Transfiguration where the Lord Jesus Christ was transfigured and Elijah and Moses showed up. I bet that was a pretty good story to tell in a camp meeting. Amen? Amen. He had other stories of, of seeing the leper sealed, of, of being there. He was actually one of the ushers that passed out the bread and the fish uh, when Jesus multiplied. I bet he had some stories he could tell. Amen? Then you had Apollos who the Word of God says was a great orator who could really speak. But Paul uh, evidently did not have real pulpit presence. But what he did have, everybody say what he did have, was, was this. Notice, he had the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That means God was backing up his preaching. Now, I don't care how good your preaching is. It doesn't matter how flowery your preaching is, how, how many big words you can use. I heard an old preacher. Uh, many of you probably don't even know who he is. His name was Lester Roloff. Has anybody ever heard of Lester Roloff? Few of y'all have, but he was a blood and guts preacher from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. One of my favorite uh, messages I ever heard him preach was called The Day God Hung a Hippie. Is the story of Absalom. Amen. Uh, but uh, listen, if it, wasn't, if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for Lester Roloff, there would be no Christian school and there would be no homeschool. Lester Roloff broke the demonic power in this nation over those that were trying to keep people from educating their children on a Christian level. But he made this statement one time. He said, you know, preachers today have a lot of polish. He said, but the problem with this is you can't eat polish. Amen. And I'd rather hear somebody who doesn't speak that well that has a demonstration of power and of the Spirit than somebody that has a great pulpit etiquette and manner, but there's no demonstration of power. There's no anointing. I heard a guy speak one time. This really 
woke me up. I was in Salt Lake City in 1988, flying uh, from Houston to Salt Lake City into Twin Falls, Idaho to hold a meeting. And at that time, 1988, uh, there was some, some uh, Olympics were going on somewhere. Was it L.A. or somewhere? I, it may have been 84 in L.A. It may have been somewhere else. Anyway, I, they had a little television set that you could put a quarter in. And, and I thought, well, I'm going to sit out a three-hour layover. I said, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch the Olympics. So I got on there, and I put it in. You could only get three stations. And one of them, the Olympics was on. It was real snowy. But the most clear channel was the Mormon channel. This is Salt Lake City. And the Mormons were having their annual convention. And there's a man standing up in the pulpit in a beautiful suit and tie. And he was standing. And I'm telling you, you talk about pulpit, pulpit etiquette. This guy had it. I'm telling you, he was preaching. He was pre every. I was dotted, every T was crossed. He walked slowly. He had this way about him. He was moving the crowd. But he began to talk about, about Jesus and talk about Jesus being the Son of God. I mean, I was, I was like, man, that's great. Amen. I was amen. Then he got to this part and he said this, but Jesus was only our example. And those that preach him as substitute or a substitutionary sacrifice, they're wrong and we're right. And I thought, hmm. All your pulpit etiquette, all your ability to preach doesn't amount to a hill of beans because you don't know what our four-year-olds four know back in the nursery. Right. Amen. Amen. But now notice the next verse. Notice the next verse. That your faith, now this is important, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, let me, just, let me just say something right now. Don't get mad. Don't write me no letters. Don't send me no emails. But there's a lot of teaching and preaching right now that encapsulates the wisdom of men. Listen to it in the Amplified. You might, you might understand a little, little different in the Amplified. It says that your faith, faith, faith might not rest in the wisdom of men or in human philosophy, but in the power of God but in the power of God, that your faith might what? Stand. Everybody say stand. It says rest in the Amplified. Stand in the, in the King James. You say, now what point are you trying to make? God has released the redemptive work, through the redemptive work of Christ, more power than we realize. I tell you, more power than we realize. You think about the power of God through His Word, through what He has spoken, the earth stays in its orbit. The sun comes up in the east and sets in the west. The seasons change. I know we were kind of doubting that this time last week, but now, you know, we're going to get our two weeks of winter around here. The Bible says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 1 that by the Word of God, by Jesus Christ, that He upholds, maintains, and propels the universe by His mighty Word of power. Amen? So I'm telling you, there is, same, there is some power. Now, when Jesus rose from the dead, when that power that raised Christ from the dead, when it, when it manifested itself in his resurrection, he didn't encapsulate it and put it somewhere up in heaven to be used at some other time. He has dealt it out into humanity, into the hearts and spirits of every man and woman that has been born again. The power of God is in you. I said, the power of God is in you. The power of God is in you. The problem with so many Christians, it's untapped. It's unrealized. It's unmanifested. It just lies dormant in there. Now, think about this for a moment. If we were to build, well, I'll say if, when we build, 
that beautiful building over there. Say we, say we just, you know, we just build that thing out. Just, it, 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 people look at it and they're just amazed at it. The architectural work. The, 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 uh, uh, the, uh, the material that goes into it. Uh, the landscaping. All of the beauty that we can put to glorify God. But we don't put any power in the building. We don't put any lights. We don't run any electrical lines. We don't put any lights, uh, uh, power sockets to plug instruments into. We don't put any power sockets in. We say, well, we just didn't want to build it with any power in it. Now think about that. A building with no power. A building with no power. You couldn't use that for anything but to store something in. That's called a warehouse. Amen? And then usually a warehouse at least got some lights in it. Amen? But how many churches today, that's the exact spiritual picture of the church. They have a building, but there's no power. But now listen to this again. Paul says, what now? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, in order to understand that, you have to understand a little bit about your faith. Everybody say, my faith. Now, we know all the principles of faith. and Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Uh, the primary way in which we release our faith is through confession. The secondary release of faith is through your act. Then once you have believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth, and acted on the Word of God, and sometimes that's a continual act, then you rejoice and stand on that faith in expectancy of the manifestation of that which you're believing God for. Amen? Simple principle, faith 101. Amen? But now some people are confused. First of all, you must understand the object of your faith. Everybody say object of your faith. Now the object of your faith is Jesus. Hebrews uh, chapter 12 tells us that Jesus is the author. Everybody say author. And finisher of our faith. Now here's where people get messed up. They hear just enough of the faith message to get them in trouble. They believe God. They, 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 they hear the teaching that you can believe God Tap into the Spirit by faith and produce something in, material, in the material. Has anybody ever done that? What you're standing in is proof of that. The carpet on this floor is proof of that. The lights in this ceiling is proof of that. It's proof of the faith of a church that believed God, pulled something out of the unseen, and now here it is in the seen realm. But see, this building was not the object of our faith. You say, what do you mean? I, th I thought it was. No, the building is a result of our faith. Which means everything, oh, you ought to get this. Everything that faith produces ought to pull you closer and closer and closer to Jesus. And the object of your faith gets clearer and clearer and more refined and more defined and more relevant and more present in you. To where after you've lived a life, after you've lived a life of walking in faith, and I noticed this about several men that have gone on to be with the Lord that, 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 that I studied under their ministry. Some of them I, I claim as spiritual fathers. When they, when they got close to when they began to go home, it wasn't faith they promoted or pronounced. It was love. Brother Hagin's last message was on love, titled, The Greatest Message You'll Ever Hear. Isn't that amazing? You say, why is that? It, because nothing ever impressed him more than Jesus did. 
You say, what do you mean? Your faith can produce and produce. And, per- and somebody, some people get mad at people like uh, Brother Copeland. Brother Copeland's a billionaire, a billionaire, a Christian billionaire, a preacher billionaire. How can he ever get there? Here's how. Not one dollar, whether it was one, a hundred, a thousand, a million, or a billion, ever impressed him more than Jesus did. That's why God could trust him with a billion dollars. Dr. Roberts, the same way. That campus on the university, uh, uh, or Roberts University, all the healing miracles that took place in his ministry, all that he ever, never impressed him more than Jesus did because Jesus was the object of his faith, and because it was the object of his faith, he was able to get results with his faith. Why? Because his faith did not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, the wisdom of man always tries to figure it out. That's why so many times, and this is amazing, I heard this just yesterday or today, I heard this, that you can actually go to the Smithsonian and study religion in in America. Now listen to me. And you can, they will literally show you transcripts of tongues and interpretation of tongues in the Smithsonian, of tongues and interpretation of tongues that was normal in Baptist churches back in the 1850s, 1860s, 1870s. In Methodist churches where the power of God, uh, what was his name? Uh, John Wesley and George, George Whitfield were under his ministry. George Whitfield preached in Boston, Massachusetts, up on, a, up on a, uh, the, the uh, stairs of the courthouse, and there were people in the trees, and he said, please come down out of the trees. When I start preaching, the power of God's going to move, and I don't want you to fall out of the trees. And they literally have pictures of hundreds of people laying out under the power of God all over the, the, the uh, courthouse square of Boston, Massachusetts, a picture of it in the Smithsonian Institute. Documenting the move of God in on it. You say, why? Because there comes a time in which men have to depart from the wisdom of man and enter into the power of God in order for God to do that. So Jesus gets exalted, becomes the object of our faith, and we don't get so impressed with ourselves. One of the number one problems with mankind, they get impressed with uh, God's faith becomes our faith. Look what my faith has done. No, you can't, you can't do that. Amen. The church is built on the reality of Jesus. Matthew chapter 16, he said, Upon this rock, upon the revelation of who I am, I will build the church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. The power of God, where our faith stands, our faith stands in the reality of God, has the ability to reveal into our hearts and spirits that no matter what situation you're facing, there is a provision of power. Everybody say a provision of power. A provision of power for you. Listen, it takes power for a sick body to get healed. It takes power for a breakthrough in finances. It takes power for a drug addict to be delivered. It takes power for the oppressed to be delivered. And another thing which we need to, this is where we need to kind of begin to press into, begin to study. When the power of God is in manifestation, we need to recognize it. Now let me say this. This might, this might help some of you. There is never... A manifestation of the anointing, the presence, and power of God that does not cause criticism. I mean it. You say, what do you mean by that? No matter what God does, no matter how dynamic a miracle may be, no matter how outstanding uh, uh, the manifestation may be, 
there will still be those that will criticize it. They did it in Jesus' day. They did it in the Acts of the Apostles. They, they, they've done it all throughout history. So we have to live with that. That's just the way it is. And if your joy finds its residence in the opinion of what people think about you, then you probably will not be much of a participant in the power of God. But when God starts moving and starts touching hearts and touching souls and the power of God's in manifestation, and you're kind of like, hey, man, I'm the kind of guy that's just going to run and jump right in the middle of that. I don't care what anybody thinks about me or anything else. Then you're probably going to experience it time after time after time after time after time. Amen. I'm always, when I, when I first went into the ministry, I was, I was always, uh, some of my friends and peers in the ministry saying, you're always trying to get around those b b uh, big preachers trying to just sop up the glory. I said, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I want to get under that anointing. I mean, if God starts moving on that front row, that's where I want to be. I want to be on the front row. I want to be where the power's in manifestation. I want to be where God's moving. If anything happens, I either want to be involved in it or I want to see it. Amen. Now, God moving in the church and in church services. God will start us. Many times we take things for granted around here that happen, that if they were to happen in the church down the road, it'd blow their minds. And I'm not talking about like one little thing or two little things. Lay hands on somebody that fall out under the power of God. And we think, oh, you know, usually we instruct our ushers to hold them up as much as they can. If they, you know, do fall out, help them to the floor uh, you know, easily. And they, people think, well, that, that, that's not scripture. That's not, I heard a guy say that. That's not, well, sure it is. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, all those, all those soldiers just fell out under the power of God. When they came and took him in the garden, all those people that came and took him in the garden, John's, it was John's account or Luke's account, one of, them, one of them's account said, they all, when he, they said, are you he? He said, I am. They all fell out under the power of God. Had to pick up the guys off the ground so they could arrest him. That's pretty gracious, isn't it? Like if a bunch of police officers came in and arrest you and said, are you Sonia? You say, I am, and they all fall out under the power, and then you help them up? He not only helped them up, he healed one of them whose ear got cut off. The Bible says under a lesser covenant, when they dedicated the, the temple in Jerusalem in Solomon's day, now, could you see this? Could you see how the priests and the choirs and the singers and all of those people under that old Levitical law and covenant, how they must have prepared? How they must have got ready? I bet it took them two days just to get dressed. They had their songs ready. They had all of their pomp and circumstance. They were ready to parade into that temple and give glory to God. And they couldn't even walk into the temple. And every time they tried, the power of God knocked them flat on the ground. Amen. So we got to begin to recognize and realize that every little thing that we experience and see that has to do with the manifestation of the power of God, we must recognize and realize that the expectancy of our faith is what is producing that. Amen? And it needs to be a corporate expectancy, not just a gift working in a minister. Because I remember when it was just a gift working in a minister. And I would labor and intercede and pray. And some places you went into, man, it was like preaching in a cement factory. Amen? You said, what do you mean by that? Everybody's minds were permanently mixed and thoroughly set. But eventually, eventually usually it took till Tuesday night. If I could get them to Tuesday night, 
Usually on Tuesday night, the Spirit of God would start moving. Now, now here's the thing, though. Anytime it's gift-motivated, gift-originated, then it never stays and abides. But when it comes from the expectancy of the crowd and the people together as one, believing that God's going to move in this service, coming to the service with expectancy in your heart, coming not trying to get something but trying to give something, you say, well, what can I give? You can give your faith. You can give your agreement. You can give your expectancy. You can come believing God that something's going to happen today unusual. Something's going to happen today extraordinary. Something's going to happen today amazing in that service. And God is going to bless. And God is going to do something. My sick person might rise up out of a wheelchair. Somebody deaf, their ears might be open. Somebody blind, their mind. You say, well, what if that doesn't happen? Then we come the next time. And 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 we keep allowing the Word of God to build that expectancy. Because without the power of God, what can our faith stand in? Amen? Now, how's my time? Oh, I've still got a little bit of time. Let's talk about laughing, getting drunk in the Spirit, and coming under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Now, the reason I want to mention this is because of our roots, this church's roots, our family's roots in Brother Kenneth E. Hagin's ministry and the ending of his ministry in what he titled Holy Ghost Meetings in which there were great manifestations of joy. Everybody say joy. Now in those manifestations of joy, people would laugh. People would stagger like drunk people. People would... People would uh, fall out under the power of God. People would dance in the Spirit. People would, people would shout. Amen. And what God told Brother Hagin, which I believe he, he was a prophet of God, so I, I thoroughly agree with what he said. He said, unless there is an experience of this in these meetings, a whole generation will miss a move of the Spirit. That's just about what's happened. That's just about what's happened. And over the years, as Lee and I would attend these Holy Ghost meetings, we noticed they started out huge and got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller as less and less people were more interested, more and more, more and more people were interested in the wisdom of man instead of the power of God. Two reasons. Number one, the power of God in manifestation is not popular, never has been, never will be. You say, why? Wow, there's a world system on this planet right now that goes totally against the grain of anything that God wants to manifest. Amen? Number two, there's something about a moving of the Spirit and the moving of God that departs from the dignity of religion. And I'm telling you, there are people that will die defending the, the dignity of religion. You say, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, some people say, well, that's just, that's just not dignified for someone to shout. That's just not dignified for somebody to laugh in church. That's just not dignified for somebody to roll on the floor. I, I forget where I was. I was somewhere, and somebody was rolling across the floor. Where was that at? It was here. No, 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 not at Abundant. It was here. It, was, it happened here. Remember that guy that rolled back and forth? He had a hurt foot. Anyway. I mean, just rolling back and forth, rolling back, a holy, real, a real holy roller. 
the, one of the most dignified men I've ever seen in a meeting. This is, this is in Edmond, Oklahoma. One of the most dignified men I ever saw in a meeting was a concert pianist who, the, who he came to play for the offertory. They had him come play for the offertory. And I'm telling you, this guy could play. He played so he played a medley of a bunch of old, uh, uh, what would you call them, uh, uh, hymns. A medley of him. Man, and he just, he, he'd close his eyes and throw his head back, and he'd just, he'd just play and play and play. And he had this little tuxedo on. You know, he looked cute as he could be. And, and he, sat, he sat on the front row. He sat on the front row. And as I was preaching, the Spirit of God, and I could tell this guy was not buying into this one bit. He was like, and he was sitting there with his arms crossed like this. And I remember standing over here, and seeing something out of the corner of my eye, and when I saw it, my eye, what my eyes were seeing, my mind was not comprehending of. The Holy Ghost picked him up, straightened him up, laid him out on the floor, and shot him three rows under the seats. He came out with his collar all flipped up like this, staggering drunk. Be careful where you sit if you don't want that kind of stuff. But that was the same meeting in which a man walked up from the back who was a Satanist, 40 years, had come to disturb the meeting and got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And said this, now I know Jesus is the Son of God. Because in every meeting like that, even you can get testimonies from here in Island Church, people are healed. I've seen depression broken. I've seen the power of God take and do things in people's lives that could not be done any other way. And because of that, release of the power of God, our expectancy, especially as we begin to move further and further into a move of God, needs to be for that power to become in manifestation in our services. That means we don't need to pull back from it. We need to gather around it and believe God for it intercede and pray and thank God every time it happens to be very appreciative of that which God does in our midst. Now, the attempt of the Spirit to move here at Island Church. We've always enjoyed a real good flow of tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy, which is what we call the vocal gifts, which are not any lesser gifts. Now think about that for a minute. I was listening to Brother J.R. Goodwin teach a couple of weeks ago who was our pastor back in the 60s and early 70s. And he said during the charismatic move, many people just basically discounted tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy because there wasn't real, a real spectacular manifestation. But he said this, especially of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Those are the only two gifts that Jesus put into the church that did not operate in the Old Covenant. Therefore, God has graced and rewarded His Son by putting tongues and interpretation into the church as being a vehicle in which all the other gifts of the Spirit can ride on and move in. We were just in the Philippines, and it was Pastor Mark Brzee's night to preach. And as Pastor Mark does, you know, he'll get up and, and him haul around for it. Yeah, I can always tell when he's not going to preach, you know. And he, you know, he sits there and looks at his iPad and and, and, and reads the scripture and then walks over here and then, then the anointing hits him. And he, you know, then, then, then you know, the service is gone. And so he was at a certain point in the service and he just, 
And he looks over me and says, Rusty, do you have something? And I had something in my spirit. So I gave out a tongue. And the interpretation, I can't tell you exactly what it was, but it was it related to now the healing power of God has come upon you. Therefore, minister to this congregation that healing power, and you'll see many set free and delivered. I'm telling you, he took off. He began to lay hands on people. The power of God came into manifestation. Afterwards, the lady got up and testified that she was totally stove up, totally stiff with arthritis. The power of God hit her. She was running back and forth in front of the church. Other people were shouting, thanking God. I'm telling you, it was a powerful manifestation of the gifts of healing, but what opened the door for it was tongues and interpretation of tongues. So in thinking of these things and meditating upon them over the last few weeks, I'm going to begin tonight just kind of what we call those shotgun introduction, you know, that we do, and then we'll get into some of the particulars of this. For our faith to stand in the power of God, we've got to understand what it is and how to use it. Just like if you walked in here and you knew nothing about electricity, and I ask you, hey, man, could you go cut on the, cut on the heat? It's cold out. and Cut on the lights, and we need the sound system. And you say, well, I ain't got a clue how to do that. You've got to find the switch. Because if you find the switch, you really don't have to, have to know how to wire the building. You don't have to know how to wire the building. You don't, know how to, you don't have to be a, uh, well, we used to call them HLMP. What are they now? Uh, Reliant Energy or whoever they are. You don't have to be a Reliant Energy lineman and know how to climb up into the 7,200-volt distribution to make a drop to the building. You don't have to know how to do that. I, it takes time to know how to. It takes my time to learn how to be an electrician. It takes time, but all you got to do is what? All you got to do is find the switch and flip it. And I think too many people are trying to go to electrical school and trying to figure it all out when you don't really need to do that. All you need to do is flip the switch on. So every one of us need to know our place in flipping that switch. And once we know our place in flipping that switch, then I guarantee you we're going to see more and more power released in here. Now let me, I'll close, this will be my last closing. Maybe. Lee and I were in a meeting in, over in Louisiana. The power of God fell mightily. It was a Holy Ghost, one of Brother Hagin's Holy Ghost meetings. A lady that sat behind us, she had a, a rod in her back and could not bend at all. And she had been prayed for. And by the time she got prayed for and walked back and sat back behind us, she started screaming. Remember that? And bending over and saying, this is impossible. I can't bend over. I got a rod in my back, runs the entire length of my spine. And I stand straight up right, but now I can bend over. She's bending over, touching her toes, bending, twisting, doing all this kind of stuff. Well, later on in a restaurant, we heard this comment. That's not God. Some other people that were in the meeting. Because there was laughing, there was rejoicing, there was praising God. There was, there was other manifestations like that taking place. But because of that, the statement was made, that's not God. And Lee and I looked at each other like this. What do you mean that's not God? Somebody, somebody's back was totally healed that had a rod in their back. And that was just one of the people. How many other testimonies that we did not get, that we did not hear, that God had manifested? You say, what point are you trying to make in all of that? No matter how God comes in and begins to do things, if we pray and if we live right, if we live holy, amen, 
We pray, we live right, we live holy. However God wants to manifest and come in, however the Spirit of God wants to move, whatever He wants to do. Listen, church, over the years, there's been so many unusual manifestations I've heard of and I've even seen. Heard of one evangelist. That, 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 that the, 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 the pastor that would have him in his church thought he was crazy. But after he had him the first time, he had him over and over again. And he said this guy reached more people that were upper class doctors, lawyers, educated people than anybody else he ever saw in his life. And he did one of the most foolish things he ever saw. He said he'd get up and start preaching. And as he started preaching, he'd just start dancing. Not, not dancing in the spirit like he was ballroom dancing. He'd just be ballroom dancing around. And this guy thought, what's this guy doing? He's ballroom dancing around. And he said, next thing you know, he'd walk over to him and say, now, how many of you tonight would like to give your heart? And he said, those people, so he said, people that he had never been able to reach. People that never even come to his church, sit there, turn around, walk out, walk up the aisle and give their heart to Jesus. We've heard of several manifestations of people jumping up on the altar with their eyes closed and walking and coming out on the end of the altar and standing in midair and turning around and walking back. Happened in Dr. Ed Dufresne's meeting. Happened in a, a Brother Kenneth Hagin's meeting. Happened in other meetings like that where people would do that. You say, what point are you trying to make? When you begin to remove that which inhibits the Spirit of God to move, when you start getting the criticism out, you start getting the, the uh, people that are not expecting of God, you start removing all of that, then the liberty of the Spirit begins to move and begins to manifest. And I'm going to tell you one thing. As critical as people can be, there's nothing that draws people more than the miraculous and the supernatural and the power of God. Dead religion is not going to do it. People are tired of being on the best softball team in the, in the county. It really doesn't make that much difference anymore, especially when you get diagnosed with cancer or your kids have run off on their own drugs or you've got some problem where you need what? The power of God, something to stand on other than the wisdom of man. And now is the time, this is the place, and we are the people that God has called in this area to do that, believe God, and contend for that in the Spirit and to see it and enjoy it in our midst. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, lift your hands up and thank God for it. Father, we thank you tonight. Now, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you the Spirit of God, the anointing of God, the power of God, that which we so desire. We thank you for the years when it has operated on the level that it has. But Lord, we're not satisfied. We want more. More of it, Father. More of it, Lord. In every aspect, in our, in our children's ministry, in our youth ministry, even in the back of the nursery, Lord God. Up on, the, up on the platform, amongst the praise and worship, Lord. Father, we thank you for it. And Lord, we believe we receive it. We thank you that we'll have it in Jesus' name. And everyone says, praise God. Stand on your feet. Glory to God. I heard a dear testimony the other day. Small little Pentecostal church. They had gotten together for their choir practice. Five people on the praise and worship team. I think they had a drummer, a keyboard player, and a guitar player. And then there were two that sang with those three. And they got up and went through a, I guess that's how they, the routine of how some, they probably are praise and worship. I've never been to praise and worship practice, so I don't know how they do it. But they went through two or three, I think they said three songs they went through without any instruments. They just were kind of sitting on chairs, looking at words, reading the words, and singing the words. No instruments. Now, they had made a recording of that. And they came back and played that recording, and it blew them away. He said it sounded like a 10,000-voice choir on that recording. He said you could hear every instrument ever invented and some that they'd never heard. 
They said literally it was the choir and the orchestra of heaven that was singing those songs with those people. You know, God is attempting to do, He's trying to break through in just about every area for people that have just barely dared to believe Him. What 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 will He do for those that truly will believe Him? Amen. Father, thank you so much for tonight. For the ability of your word working in us, for us, and through us. Thank you for what your word has done for us in the past when it comes to protection and safety. And tonight we make application of that word to the next few days of our life. Thanking you, Lord, no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We thank you, Lord God, that whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way, protected, kept safe. The righteous labor of our hands. Thank you that we're kept safe and secure from the evil plans of wicked men, Satan himself. We thank you that we abide under the shadow of the Most High. And Lord, we thank you also that you keep us healthy. We thank you for it, Father. We refuse to receive the flu, colds, just because the temperature changes, our bodies do not have to change. Everybody say out loud, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. He was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity, chastised when my peace was upon him. By his stripes, I am healed. You bless my bread, my water. You take all sickness, all symptoms from the midst of me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, I forget not his benefits, forgives all iniquity, heals all disease, redeems my life from destruction, crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I've been delivered from the power of darkness, the power of the flu, the power of the cold, the power of allergies. I've been translated into your healing power, divine health power. Thank you, Father. You've not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I reject depression. Depression, you shall not get upon me. I shall joy in the Lord. I shall glory in the Lord during this season in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. The law of the Spirit of life, Spirit of life in Christ sets me free from the law of sin and death. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells and abides in me. It quickens, makes alive my mortal body. Therefore, I declare the flu, colds, seasonal allergies, just because there's a change in temperature. I don't have to get sick. I don't have to be sick. I will not submit myself to that which goes on in the community or world system. And if any symptom, any symptom attacks me or tempts me, I will resist it. In the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, and by the spirit of power, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the door of utterance. Thank you, Lord. There are people I can touch and reach, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. As we leave tonight, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy. 
thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.